1: And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast.
2: All right, guys, welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. And this is the latest installment of Mavs Step Back Live. Uh, really big win last night against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you know, they, they always give the Mavs issues uh, because of their length. And the first time they played them this year, it was also a close game, and they didn't have Pascal Siakam. They did last night, and sure enough, it was a close game down to the, the last few seconds. And uh, it, it was kind of it was kind of rocky to start. Uh, the Mavs they were turning the ball over more than they're they're used to. Uh, the Raptors went up thirty nine thirty one, and then the Mavs clawed back, and uh, it was a ninety seven ninety six game. With about a minute left, left, and uh, Luca did his uh, step back three from his favorite spot, uh, that top left corner uh, or top left uh, part of the arc three, and nailed it. And you know they they ended up winning uh, by four points. So nice win. Uh, they still kind of sloppy on offense. Uh, Luca had forty one points. He hadn't scored. He hadn't even reached the thirty point mark. Uh, since November 27th, (laughs) earlier in the year. And then uh, he hadn't scored 40 points all season. The last time he scored 40 points in a game was that Game 7 loss to the Clippers in the playoffs. So it was incredible uh, to see Luka magic again. And it it seems like he's he's finally starting to get his legs under him a little bit more. Uh, Knock on wood, hopefully he's – he's gotten the ankle injuries like behind him for this season because lord have mercy he 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 has the worst luck ever so hopefully that's behind him uh we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today aside from just the the Raptors win but uh first up uh I got my guy Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball he's joining me today Kirk how you doing after that one last night
3: I'm good. My voice sounds like I uh, like I'm uh, op, you know Optimus Bibbs when I smoked uh, you know a, a twelve pack of cigarettes <laughs> last night. But it was a uh, it was a really fun game. <clears throat> it's like the first game that I've gotten like pissy with in game in a while, just because the Mavericks have been kicking the crap out of team so much. And it was it was really fun to watch them. <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. It was really fun to watch them adjust uh, because they were just getting crushed. I mean, you pointed it out. It was 39-31, and it felt like that game was going sideways. They called a timeout two minutes into the second quarter, and they figured it out, and and they, then they just held on. I mean, it's the sort of game where I'm sure if if you look at the box score, you're probably saying, how did they only beat a team that played seven guys by, by two points or four points, whatever it was? I, that, I was just psyched to get a win. Toronto is feisty.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I was, I follow a few uh, Raptors Twitter guys, and there were a lot of people on Nick Nurse's ass last night (laughs) just because he's so stubborn and he's only playing seven guys. And like the whole point of not playing Dragic, supposedly, uh, was to get, you know, some of the younger guys more minutes. And people on their side, you know, Raptors fans are just like, well, they're not really doing that. (laughs) They're only playing seven guys. So what's the point? you know, Dragic's his $19 million is just, you know, being wasted. So I, I definitely understand their frustration, but I'm, I'm glad Nick Nurse, you know, did the Mavs a solid
3: there. Well, because, like, they have Svi Makailu sitting on the, like, tail end of the bench, and, you know, he could be injured. I wasn't paying close enough attention. But he's the sort of guy that I've always wanted the Mavericks to have as, like, a ninth man because he can shoot the crap out of the ball. And he's not necessarily small. He's, you know, the when he was a Laker, he was like the second coming because everybody that plays for the Lakers is incredible. And I, I just didn't get it. But it was it's one of those wins where, you know, when you're playing four, it's their fourth game in six nights, and tonight is their fifth game in seven nights. You're just sort of psyched to get away with the win. And I know you and I were chatting about this in, uh, in, in texts earlier. If they get, like, whooped tonight, I'm attempting to prepare myself to not be mad about it because they've really, you know, winning 10 of 11 is hard. And the one game they didn't lose or the one game they didn't win was when the Knicks just shot like 50% from three. So, you know, compared to that sort of sense of just like, I don't want to be too dramatic, but when they lost to the Kings on that terrible last second three, like that was just a gut wrenching loss. And it was like, okay, here we go again. And since then they've just played phenomenal basketball. And I know they were even playing well before that. But you know, Luca and KP were both out. There's a lot of COVID issues. Like this is just, this is kind of, um, you know, where they're going feels so. There's just like a lot of growth, and and yet they're still playing well. It's it's and and you can see where they could go if they fine tune some other stuff. And like, there's still plenty of time for that. It's just it's this is the this is the nice upward part of upward swing part of the season, and it couldn't be happening at a better time because, like you said, they're playing all these teams where guys are.
2: Yeah, and and Luca mentioned it last night too. I mean, he's obviously not had the the offensive season that, you know, his stats are still incredible, his averages, but you know, efficiency-wise, he just hasn't had a season that's up to his standards. And he said even after the game last night, you know, he had forty-one points, fourteen rebounds, seven assists. Uh, but you know, even he was just like, you know, defense is the biggest key to us winning now. Is that you know it doesn't matter if Luca scores forty one. Or if he scores twenty or less than twenty or whatever the case may be, you know that's what's going to win the Mavs games now is defense, and he has bought into it. Uh, the entire team has bought into it. We were talking about that piece earlier. Uh, was it cleaning the glass or what? What? What article was that we were talking about earlier, where it basically was saying it, it was trying to walk through how the Mavs have such an elite defense without having. Uh, you know, a, a real defensive anchor, so to speak. <laughs> and, I, I mean, there really, need, there really needs to be something – there has to be something said about, you know, coaching as far – maybe not from like a scheme uh, perspective, but, you know, a guy who can – or a coaching staff that can keep guys motivated. And that's where I think Jason Kidd and his coaching staff, above everything else, has excelled uh, compared to like what Rick Carlisle and that staff was doing last year because they kind of – it kind of got to the point where that team or that roster got kind of lost from that coaching staff and they just weren't really buying in. And I think a lot has to be said for keeping guys engaged and motivated. And another thing, and I'll let you touch on this too, Kurt, because we were talking about it a little bit and I know you have some thoughts on it. I mean, yeah, they are benefiting from teams missing a lot of threes and, I don't know what percentage of those threes are open, but it can't be anywhere close to the open threes they were given up earlier in the season. Uh, I see a change in how they approach uh, their defense on the perimeter from in past years because they're getting up into guys. You know, they're taking away space. They're fighting over screens. Uh, When they're not fighting over screens and switching, the switching is crisp. Uh, You know, it's not – they're not doing the sag off stuff that that we saw in previous years. Like I I told you earlier that I I still have nightmares of uh, KP sagging off of Dame in the bubble (laughs) and just getting absolutely torched every time they did, you know, after about the third or fourth time, it's like, okay, guys, you might want to try something different, but I'm so glad that the sag off defense is not a thing in Dallas right now. And I think that's been the biggest difference, but I mean, I just don't think you can have this kind of defensive run and it be a fluke. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of, you know, stuff that's gone their way, you know, with guys missing open shots. But like I like I was telling you before, you know, they're just grinding teams down. They're They're playing such good defense for four quarters or almost four quarters each game that by the time you get in the second half and in the fourth quarter, you know, teams are tired. Because they're just on them all the time. So I think that has a big thing to do
3: with it. What do you think? So I just, on sportsillustrated.com, Michael Pena, one of your colleagues, just wrote a really good piece that sort of, it splits the difference between what Nikias Duncan wrote for Basketball News and then what Istok wrote for um, D Magazine, where it's, there's some video breakdowns and some additional numbers where it's talking about the defense. And one of the things that the Mavericks have is the league-leading defense on points per possession after a score. So when they score the ball, they play really fantastic defense. And that is a numerical justification for what you just talked about in terms of grinding teams down, where teams are running into a bit of a brick wall right after Dallas scores. Um, and there's, just a, there's a lot of interesting numbers. And, you know, let's say – I mean, I think we're both realists. We've watched these guys for three years. Are they the number one defense in the league for 82 games? No. But are they the 20th or 25th base defense, which is what we've seen at certain parts earlier in the season? Absolutely not. Um, Penny in his piece talked about how much uh, vocal activity is coming from the Maverick bench, both from the assistant coaches and fellow players talking about where guys need to be relative to corners um and that seems to have been helping a lot one thing i noticed and i i was at the the thunder game the other night is there's a lot of maverick players looking to the bench for thoughts and feedback during breaks in the game which is it's a subtle thing for me but it's different than getting barked at by rick all the time it's asking for what should happen instead of getting told what to do i mean the end result is likely the same but i think that the that that's sort of one of those little coaching things that you're referencing that I think matters because it it allows there's some agency going on and you know these guys are professional geniuses at basketball all of them even the worst player on the team they're some of the four like nBA players are four hundred of the best five hundred basketball players on planet earth so it's just it's fun watching like the little evolutions and I think we have to in the big picture they're still you know thirty something games they're likely to take a dip at some point but that's okay because what they're doing right now is banking some of these wins. So it's like these next three games are difficult. If they were to win one of the three, I think I might be satisfied. And if they win more than that, it's a bonus. And then after that, they have a bunch of games where they should crush teams. Well,
2: here's the thing too. And we, we talk about the defense, but the offense is kind of the same concept. You know, it's like, uh, we don't expect them to be in like the top 10 offensively you know uh, given the personnel Uh, but we also didn't expect them to be like in the bottom five like they were earlier this season and they I think they've like worked their way up into like maybe 16th or 15th uh, as far as uh, offense goes so it's kind of that saying we've we've talked about it but you know if they can kind of work their way into that top 10 range in both areas uh, by the end of the season I mean it doesn't have to be the best but Uh, you know, this is the kind of defense that they're going to have to have to end a decade long drought of not being able to win a playoff series. You have to have the defense, you know, they've built the foundation. Uh, You know, like I said, you don't just fluke into having this streak of just holding teams to (laughs) under a hundred points or, and they've, they've had many games where they've held teams to under 90 this year. So, and and Luca hasn't even really gotten going yet. You know that was the first Super Saiyan Luca appearance we've seen uh, last night this season, in my opinion. So at least on the offensive end. So I'm really encouraged, Kirk. I think uh, I think that they can continue to climb in the West. They're only three and a half games behind the Utah Jazz. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the year when uh, when the Jazz were just rolling people early? Uh, but they're only three and a half games behind them for the fourth seed. They're only four games behind Memphis for the third seed in the West. And they play – they have one more game versus Memphis on Sunday. And they still have three more late season head-to-heads with the Jazz this season. So it is very possible, and especially given how the Jazz are playing lately, they lost to the Rockets last night. <laughs> it was like 116 to 111. So – uh Based on how they're playing, it's very likely that the Mavs could catch them. And, I mean, you look at these next three games, they're hard. But, I mean, look, they're playing the Suns on the second night of a back-to-back. Like you said, if they lose, I mean, you you can't really be mad at it because of how well they've played. And Phoenix has, like, four days of rest. But they don't have DeAndre Ayton tonight. And, you know, like you were telling me earlier, Ayton is one of those guys. It seems like he's one of the only bigs in the league that really gives Luka issues. And so, that could, you know, play a factor tonight, uh, whether they win or not. I mean, I think I think the Mavs will be competitive. Uh, and then you look at the game on Sunday against Memphis. Dylan Brooks is still going to be out. Uh, Desmond Bain is in NBA protocols, COVID protocols. So, that's going to be huge. So, they could very likely win that game. And then the Golden State game, I haven't checked on the Draymond Green situation, but – I think he's out too. I don't know if he's, he's out.
3: having back issues. Yeah. It's not it's kind of dark for him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, so Draymond, I mean he's 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 kind of like their glue guy, you know. He uh he makes a lot of things work for Golden State. So all three of these upcoming games, even though like we would understand if the Mavs ended up losing, I mean they're they're all winnable. And then you look at the stretch after these next 3 at Portland. Uh, versus Indiana, who might have some big changes by the time that game comes around, <laughs> trade wise, and uh, you know Miles Turner is out with a foot, what they're calling a stress reaction, but we all know what that is. Uh, and then they play Orlando again, and then Oklahoma City again. So I mean, I mean, this is <laughs> this is like the perfect time for this team to be playing the way they are with the schedule. Just you know, the, the stars are aligning for the Mavs to be like over. T- Uh, 10 games over 500 uh, by the end of the month. So I'm very, very ecstatic. And I think that they have a real good chance of getting home court. This.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com.
3: I'm still not sure where I fall on that spectrum, but I do agree that it's a great time to be playing well. Uh, It's the time that they have to take advantage of their opportunity. And I think what, I'm looking forward to seeing is whether this team is different than last year's team, because they sort of I think in hindsight, we can all agree that they felt they they failed up into the fifth seed. They lost so many games that they should have won down the stretch while also managing to win something like 66 percent of their games after All-Star break. Like they should have absolutely you know, they should have been high. You know, the, the fifth seed was, should have been theirs, but then they lost to, like, Memphis a couple of times. They lost to the Kings a couple of times. And the fact that Dallas hasn't had, at least lately, I mean, I guess the one Kings game, but there's not, like, this torrid of losses that are, is making us pissy because it's, you know, when they're they're losing to teams, and this was even happening earlier in the season, they are losing to teams that they weren't favored against anyways. So you know now that they're 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 coming on the swing, it's it's a real chance to make a dent. And if they don't, I would still say I'm pretty satisfied with where they've come where they've gotten to. I I, I don't I'm not really looking forward to playoff projecting because it's just there's certain teams I don't want them to play. I mean, our this one guy who uh, contributed some Mad Money Balls named Clint constantly makes the joke that we're going to play the Clippers no matter what, and it just it kind of feels like that sometimes. But uh, thank you for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, I
2: appreciate you joining, Kirk, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Always good stuff. Uh, just to expand on what Kirk said there at the end about the Clippers, I really don't think we have to worry about the Clippers as much because Paul George, uh, he has like a – I think it may be a partially torn ligament in his elbow, and it's like somebody was telling me it's the type of injury – uh, where you know baseball players end up needing a uh, tommy john surgery <laughs> and they're just kind of waiting it out and seeing uh you know if he if he needs uh, to do surgery or if it'll heal on its own but more times than not it doesn't heal on its own so there is a very good chance at least from what I've heard that that he could end up having surgery that could potentially end his season and then You know, they. uh, I don't know if that affects Kawhi Leonard potentially coming back this year if they just decide to punt on this season when that happens. But, you know, that's another thing when you look at this Mavs schedule. So the next three, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State. And then after that, you have a four-game stretch of Portland, Indiana, Orlando, and Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City is the first game of February. And then you look at the February, the opening February schedule. They play Philadelphia, who's been playing really well lately. That'll be a really tough game, uh, but it is at home. And then they play Atlanta, and then the next three after that is Detroit, and then a back-to-back mini series against the Clippers, who will not have you know Kawhi or Paul George. So it just goes back to my point about you know with the way the Mavs are playing, and like it's not just that they're playing well. Uh, you know, and guys haven't been shooting the ball well just yet. But it's, it's just such a confidence builder. Jalen Brunson made the comment the other day that he really feels like this is something that this, this is a feeling or a vibe or whatever word he used for it that they're not going to let go of anytime soon. And I kind of believe him on that because, I mean, they, they've, they obviously need to upgrade a couple of spots on the roster um, uh, just to improve their depth and you know to, to give them more consistency because it's like you know with Dwight Powell, he had a couple of really good games, you know, a good stretch of games uh, during this ten wins out of the last eleven games. But uh, there's just every now and then there's this night where he just like doesn't score at all, or you know he's he's setting moving screens and it's like that Knicks game that was a, <laughs> and it ended up being a, a twenty three point loss and it was not Dwight Powell's best game, you know, but that's typically what happens when he's going up against Mitchell Robinson uh, on the night. But, you know, stuff like that, they need to either, they they need to either try to lessen his minutes and give more to Marquise Chris, who they signed for the rest of the season, plus another year. He's on a two year deal now, uh, but he didn't play at all in that Raptors game. And I think uh, they need to kind of start to make that transition and, I mean, as well as Dwight has played in this recent stretch, uh, I'm very interested to see how they approach this trade deadline because I feel like there are a few, you know, and we heard this last year too. Uh, I think it was with Indiana. Even before even before Rick Carlisle went to Indiana, you know, they seemed to have a little bit of interest in, uh, in Dwight Powell at one point, supposedly. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, no, no matter what you think of Powell – I mean, there are teams around the league that see what he sees, what he can do at times. It's like, okay, well, you know, he's only got one more deal year on his deal. Maybe we can do something there. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Uh, The Goran Dragic thing is something I continue to watch. I mean, I saw somebody on Raptors Twitter say something about, they hope that uh, Masai Ujiri can leverage the situation and, Uh, end up trading him for a rotational player. I just don't think there is any leverage uh, to be had there because I feel like Dragic killed any kind of leverage the Raptors had uh, when he straight up came out and said he wanted to be in Dallas or or he he strongly hinted that he wanted to be in Dallas (laughs) playing alongside Luka, who's basically like his little brother. So if other teams know that, they're not going to give up anything to trade for him. It's already hard to trade him because he's 35 years old and making $19 million. uh So to salary match, you have to send out a pretty good pretty good bit of stuff to, to get him. I just don't think it's going to happen. And Masai Ujiri, he's just – he's being stubborn. He's just going to, you know, run out this ground ball past the trade deadline. But I think that that week after the trade deadline passes – uh I think it's pretty much a given in my opinion that that Dragic is going to end up on the Mavs. Now if it doesn't happen, I'll just I'll just have to be wrong, but I just I really feel like that that's going to happen and I feel like the Mavs are probably banking on that too. Uh and that'll really, really help out the the depth as far as, you know, Jalen Brunson, he's in the starting lineup full time now. Uh, and, you know, it'll balance out that that bench unit, and I think it'll really help Tim Hardaway Jr.'s shot selection because with him coming off the bench and them not having a a legitimate secondary, you know, playmaker on the bench with him, uh, I know they can stagger Luka and Jalen's minutes a little bit and kind of compensate for that, but they really do need another guy like Dragic to uh, to kind of put all that together for him, and I think that'll make a big difference. Uh, Okay, I'm going to bring one more person up here. I've gone a little bit over what I had set out to do, but that is okay. My guy, Jose, what's up, man?
1: Uh, not much. Uh, thank you for bringing me up here. It, it, I'm going to give you some uh, free pro- promo, Dalton, because yesterday you sent me a link to your uh, the, the game, and I just find it real interesting. Like you said, it's everything that the green room is just with the game on and uh, I, I want to say thank you for that, and it's a nice experience, and strangely enough, it was ahead of my um, streaming on the PC.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, we uh, so, we're doing another watch party tonight. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Mouse Step Back Premium subscribers, we've been doing weekly watch parties with the Playback app, and it's it's not a public app yet. It's still in beta testing, but but like like you were saying, Jose, it really is like Green Room. Uh, you just have a live stream. Uh, everybody's watching the same stream at the same time. There's a chat. Uh, there's a stage just like this that we don't do the entire game, just maybe in the fourth quarter when things get interesting like last night. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's really the future of watching live sports uh with, with people, you know, with fellow Mavs fans. You know, if you're not gonna be at a game in person, I personally feel like this is the, the best way to watch a game and interact with everybody while it's happening. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um I don't know, I, I know there were a there were a handful of new subscribers that uh that signed up after that last night. So we do one a week. Uh, we're doing one tonight for Mavs Suns, and then yesterday, about a couple hours before uh, the, the Mavs and Raptors game, I just randomly decided, you know what, I'm going to open one up to the public and just let people see what this is like. Uh, because, you know, I've been promoting it a bunch and talking about it, but until people actually see it, they don't need, they, they don't really know. But I, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jose, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can get you in there for, for a lot more going forward, but... Uh, Did you have anything else about the Mavs you want to talk
1: about? Uh, Yes. uh, How do you feel about a Memphis versus Dallas playoff series? Because what I've noticed about this Mavs team, and I said it on Twitter spaces, is that this Mavs team that we have this year doesn't allow anybody to get up in their face. And Memphis is notorious for trash talk, and a lot of the, these younger teams, they've been getting in Luca's phase. Josh Green pushed uh, one of the Magic players w- when I was there. So that, w- that was kind of interesting. But what do you feel about a Memphis match?
2: Look, I don't want to jinx anything in case it does happen. But my personal opinion is that the Mavs would end up waxing the Grizz in the first round if they ended up playing them. I just – I personally believe that. I feel like Luca. He's one of these guys who he, – he says all the right things in the media and he's not going to let you know if something bothers him or if he takes something personally. But all of this national media attention for Ja Morant and everybody comparing him and saying that he's better than Luka and you know he's now jumped Luka in fan voting this year and everything, if it comes down to a playoff series between these two teams – uh, you know, I, I think he's going to take it personally and just basically going to unload the clip on the Grizzlies. That, that's my personal opinion. Uh, they've played them well this season uh, already. And I mean, I know Dylan Brooks will probably be back by then and he gives uh, the Mavs issues, but I just, I, the Grizzlies, playing the Grizzlies in the first round wouldn't worry me as much as, you know, maybe the Lakers, you know, if, if the, Say the Mavs end up getting in the top four, and the Lakers make a run at the end of the season, and that becomes like a four or five matchup. That would worry me more than playing the Grizzlies, just because of the experience. Uh, and I mean, obviously the Mavs would be capable of beating the Lakers too, but you know, you'd rather play a inexperienced team led by John Morant than you would LeBron James <laughs> in the first round. You know, something like that. So. Uh yeah, I, I I'm that's my answer there. I, I, I would not be scared of a Mavs Grizz first round. I think it would be very fun and uh I think that the Mavs would come out on top. So Jose, appreciate you joining me. You'll have to do it again sometime. I'm we'll gonna bring up one more speaker here, Alan. Let's see if we can get you up here. Alan, what's up, man? Hey Dalton, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What you got for? Me?
4: Uh so just uh so I grew up just give you a little uh little backstory, but I grew up in Memphis and so obviously a Memphis fan, but live in Dallas now and so have uh have listened to a lot of Kirk's stuff and uh, uh just recently kinda got into to your stuff. But just had a take on the uh on the standing side of it. Uh I mean Memphis has the thirtieth easiest schedule in the league for the rest of the season. I agree, like you said, they're coming up on a rough stretch with, with Bain and Brooks both out, but also Kyle Anderson went into protocol yesterday, and so did Tyus Jones, who is obviously a really oh, wow. big piece for them. Um, so I think they're going to lose for probably these next next maybe week and a half. They're going to they're going to lose some games in a row. They lost in Milwaukee last night, but uh, I think after that their schedule really gets easy. And uh, so I just I don't know if that's going to be an I uh, I don't really see them falling lower than four. I really, I think they'll probably finish third. Um, But if the Mavs, that's why I just don't think the four or five with Dallas and, and Memphis can happen because I think if you're going to project the team to fall, it's going to be Utah seeing they've had a million issues and they have like the third hardest, hardest schedule the rest of the year. Um, So just, just wanted to say on the, on the playoff series. I mean, I obviously I I disagree a little bit, but uh, I think it would be amazing. It would be a really fun series and, and, Obviously they're pretty close together, so I think it would it could be a cool rivalry. But uh, just as far as the Jaw Luca thing, as a Grizzly fan, I watch all the Grizzly games and watch most of the Mavericks. I don't, I've never thought Jaw was in the same conversation with Luca as an individual player. Um, but as a team, as a po- true point guard, Jaw has a lot of highlights where he gets compared to Westbrook. But kind of since he's come into the league, it, the Memphis people really have seen him more. On the Chris Paul side, I mean, if you look at him when the only games that he really tries to score are games like last night where we didn't have any players or first round versus Utah, where we just no one was stepping up and also playing versus Golden State. Those are his biggest point outputs. And that typically happens when, you know, other players aren't stepping up. So he kind of goes on the ball a lot more offensively. So really really appreciate your stuff love love the optimism and uh, uh appreciate you having me up but just wanted to kind of kind of give a little bit different perspective
2: yeah I, I really appreciate that good stuff alan and uh you'll have to join me again sometime but uh yeah and just to be clear i mean i'm a big ja morant morant fan like i i love ja he uh he has really improved he's having a just an incredible season you know up until this last stretch, you know, it, it could change by the end of this year, obviously, but you know, Ja's had a better season than Luca has overall to this point. And, you know, that's why Memphis is where they're at in the standings. Uh he's just been amazing. My thing is, you know, you have all these, you know, Stephen A's of the world and hot take machines on, on ESPN saying that they would start a franchise with Ja over Luca just because of recency bias i mean you just you just can't you can't say something like that when you know the the other guy's uh all n b a first team guy in two of his three seasons and you know he's had the uh the playoff success well you know he hasn't won a playoff series but he's had the the successful playoff performances individually you know versus Versus what Ja has done so far in his career, so that's not to say that Ja can't get there, but you know, it's just you, you just you can't claim something like that right now. That's all I'm saying, uh, and I do think that that Luca, although he won't say it, I do think he'll take it personally if if that matchup does end up happening. And I also agree that you know it's it's very more likely that the Jazz will fall uh, than the Grizzlies based on the the schedule, the easy schedule at the end of the year, like you said, but. Uh, I think the Mavs are capable of ca- catching either team with the way they're playing and the way their schedule has lined up. So we will see. Guys, I appreciate it. Uh, really good stuff today. I went I, I went way longer than I thought I would today, but I mean, that's what happens when you have such good stuff to talk about. I uh, really appreciate it. Y'all go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, I mentioned the Mavs Step Back Premium stuff. Uh, if you do want to start joining these weekly... Uh, watch parties, and then there's a lot of other bonus content, go to patreon.com slash Mav Step Back. Uh, if you go to my Twitter and scroll down through the, the pictures I posted, I have a recent uh, ticket giveaway we're doing for Math Step Back. Uh, it's for Rick Carlisle's return to Dallas, which is January 29th. Uh, We're giving away two lower bowl tickets. It's in the 100 section. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, two tickets in lower bowl. I think it's like section 108. But anyway, all you got to do is, you know, go retweet that and make sure you leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It doesn't have to be both. And you have a chance of winning those tickets. So, guys, appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time.